You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people, mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 321. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show is my co-host, Pontus Spekman. See ya! Hey, son, hey, son! Where is Annika? Well... Probably lying down and trying to to get some sleep, which she couldn't <laughs> for a long time. She's on sick leave, yeah. and that's oh, okay. fine. Or well, that's not fine. That's poor her. Yeah. Get better, Annika. We need you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, we just uh, the show must go on, as they say. The show must go on. Everybody who listens to this show need to sign up for the European Skeptics Congress in Vienna in September. It will be a fantastic event. Mm-hmm. I agree. And uh, everybody who's in the European Skeptics Movement will be there. We will be there even. So uh, registrations are starting to come in. Uh, we will share the link again. And as we said last week, the program is ready. There is an early bird rebate, an extra, an extra rebate if you belong to any skeptical organization. So apply that if you can. Yeah, lots of great speakers coming. Don't miss to uh, join also the Saturday dinner event. Yeah. It's just another 28 euros and uh, it's a great way, fantastic way to meet new friends and uh, old friends as well. I am 57. <laughs> My hair is gray, but I will be at the dinner. <laughs> yeah, I've been wondering if uh, your hair color has changed at all since we started this podcast, has it? Uh, oh yes surely and because of it i'm sure because of it okay (laughs) well it's a hell of a lot of work uh, that's for sure but uh yeah yeah you know who must have been the people whose hair definitely turned gray two years ago when they realized that um Darwin's notebooks were missing. Do you remember that? Yeah, the famous misplacement of, of yeah. the famous the 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 tree drawings of a like yes. a tree thing it, exactly, uh, and that was quoted and it was in every textbook, but they couldn't find the original. Well, it's it's really as, as you say, <laughs> it's it's extremely valuable stuff, and it happened back in 2020 that they realized that it, they were probably stolen from Cambridge University's library, Oops. where it was part of the the massive. Darwin archive that they held and uh, yes as you said it, it featured the famous tree of life a sketch and it was from back in 1837 I think mm. so really 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 valuable stuff and th- yeah when they reported it missing a police investigation was started and an international thing was was growing out of it because the Interpol was even involved. Scotland Yard, Sherlock Holmes, everybody was on the track. Everyone. There was an, even, a, even a large worldwide uh, appeal issued by the library. Uh, but the thing was that since for years they had been thought to have just been misplaced, mm. <laughs> no actual lead was there to follow for the, for the police. And the last time they had been seen was back in 2001. And there were no stones or, or, or books unturned. <laughs> I think it was some 10 million books, maps, other documents that had been searched to no avail. Wow. 
that's when they realized they were actually missing and reported the fact to the police. Maybe they should get better organized and have things in alphabetical order or something. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, th- shit happens. So they, they probably thought that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we, someone, someone somewhere made a mistake. But they realized it wasn't the case. So why I'm bringing this up is because a few days ago, the news broke that on the 9th of March, a pink gift bag appeared on the floor outside the librarian's office in a public area where CCTV coverage was very poor. And the bag contained the original archive box with the notebooks within. Wow. Along with a message on a brown envelope, librarian, happy Easter, X. That was it. (laughs) (laughs) So somebody just happened to take it home with them one day and then they forgot about it for 20 years. And then it was kind of embarrassing to admit. So they just put it in in a pink bag because why not? And then you just, okay, happy Easter. Exactly. And the police says the investigation is still ongoing. Yeah. Because after all, we have a case of stealing and the monetary value of these notebooks is estimated at a couple million pounds. Wow. So ridiculously um, valuable. And the reason why this absolutely amazing turn of events wasn't reported immediately, so a month have passed since then, is that the notes had to be thoroughly examined and they had to be verified as genuine. Make sure that it was the real one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. So these are the actual ones that, that, that have been looked for for, for uh, 15 months. Mm. Oh, by the way, just, just to mention a very important thing. Yeah, events. This happened just in time for the upcoming Darwin in Conversation exhibition ah. that the Cambridge University Library will host. And it starts in July of this year and it lasts until 2023 when it will be moved to New York and it's going to be the largest ever portion of the university's massive Darwin archives that had ever gone on display including many many of his letters I understand that he has written some 15,000 letters in his life Wow! and they are mostly curated by Cambridge University Library so it's amazing. Yeah. So I'm I'm actually thinking of going over there in summer and get a look. I, I don't know. <laughs> before they disappear again. D- before, yeah. before they disappear again. Yeah, yeah. So a lot uh, is going on in the UK, right? Yeah, all right. A long rant coming up. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm sure I shouldn't do this, but I'm doing it anyway. So last week we talked about, and no, I talked about, conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- that triggered uh, some craziness on Twitter. And it was rather bizarre because the original tweet misstated what we had said, quite obviously. They said that we had said we had no idea why the UK decided not to go ahead with conversion therapy for trans people. That's obviously not what we said or what they did. (laughs) They decided not to go ahead with the ban of conversion therapy for trans people, which is why we criticized them. So, But regardless of that, that a lot of strange uh, comments came up out of the shadows. But the thing is, we were now being criticized for being against conversion therapy, which we are. We are against conversion therapy. So that's correct. But we were also accused of being uh, in the quote-unquote gender cult and that we were advocating castrating children. What? (laughs) I mean, I don't remember saying that. I (laughs) certainly don't agree with that. And maybe we should just ignore that. Twitter is Twitter. But I I just have to say that regardless of how transphobic you are, conversion therapy does not work. 
So whatever you're advocating, that can never be the solution to anything. So if you are on the wrong side of this, in, in, in my opinion, you should still not promote conversion therapy. And I, I should probably just stop there. But then the thing about the, that the only other solution is to castrate kids, that, that's just absurd. That's never what we advocate. And that is not even the logical alternative. And we never even mentioned children in the first place. But since we are on the topic, I want to make clear what we do believe in, really. Or at least me and Andras, I think I speak for you as well. We do believe that some people are born in a body that they don't feel comfortable with. And if they ask for help, society should be prepared to provide some help. Exactly what that is, is complicated and we are not experts in that. But it can never be conversion therapy because, as I've already said a couple of times, it does not work. That was the point we were making. You cannot unlearn who you are. And that is what conversion therapy is trying to do to you. So um, to go further, to clarify for all the TERFs out there. I didn't know we had TERFs listening to the show, but apparently some are. (laughs) This is, now I'm telling you how it is. (laughs) There are three major dimensions here at play. For everybody, you, me, everyone. There is biological sex. There is the gender that you identify with and what sexual attraction or attractions you may have. All of that should not be controversial. But that's even just the start because all these three things are on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. So it can be very, very hard to determine. And um, the only person that this concerns really is that person themselves. So if you don't want to help that person, that's fine. Don't do it. But just leave it alone then. And this is not a, uh, quote, religion of the atheist skeptic, end quote, as some person put it on Twitter. It, it's just facts. So that that's how it is. Uh, end of rant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I think we should probably move on to um, the, the other parts of this show. And as always, we start with Twish or This Week in Skeptical History. Which is a little bit of uh, science history as well uh, this week because we are now celebrating the birthday of someone who's considered one of the founders of modern science right alongside Galileo Galilei and Sir Isaac Newton. But he happened to be Dutch from a place called (coughs) Zulichen. (laughs) <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, which is in present-day netherlands and was a son of a wealthy diplomat by the name constantine Huygens. um sorry if i butchered the name um i, I really apologize to all our <laughs> dutch listeners please let me know with a proper uh, recording how it's uh it's it's done the right way Huygens. No, I, I, I'm wrong. I'm, well, I'm sure you were yeah, more he's probably better known as Christian Huygens uh, by everyone because of the that's easier to say Americanized, yeah, yeah version of of his name. But uh, Constantine Huygens, uh, who was in the service of the House of Orange, by the way, who's happened to be the rulers of the the area for a long time. Uh, so a birthday boy who was named Christian Huygens was born on the 14th of April, 16. 16- 29. So he was a well-connected person with an extremely well-educated and famously curious mind. He realized 
very soon in his, his career that timekeeping is a key factor in navigating around the globe as well as in designing time-sensitive experiments, which he did a lot of mm-hmm. as one of the, f- the founders of modern mathematical physics. So what did he do? He just happened to invent the pendulum clock, <laughs> <laughs> okay, which was the most reliable timekeeping design used on land on land yeah. i'm saying on land on land because yeah it doesn't work on at sea no no well. no up no. until john harrison's marine chronometer it was a big big, big challenge mm. but it was accurate enough i mean the pendulum clock to help scientists and mechanical engineers for centuries in designing experiments and making measurements very very accurate measurements uh he was a highly regarded mathematician and an absolute geometry buff he came up with some really cool shit in classical mechanics, including the proper formulae for uh, centripetal and centrifugal forces. Ah. Yeah, we use them on an everyday basis and we, we are subjected to them and we have no idea that it dates that long back, the actual formulae that, that we work with and we learn uh, physics lessons at school. No matter what he got himself into, he wanted to understand it in depth which often led to him coming up with new theories and ingenious test designs for his theories as well. So no wonder he's widely considered one of the greatest scientists of all time and definitely one of the most influential figures of the scientific revolution. So he was he was a proper skeptic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, and, and he was a proponent of the wave theory of light. Really? In strong disagreement with, with Newton. Yeah. Ah. And he, he knew Newton and respected him very much. And it was a mutual thing, by the way. Mm. But that wasn't what stopped him make his name in the field of science in his lifetime, but rather his publishing style, or, or the lack thereof. <laughs> because he wasn't not much of a collaborator and, and never liked publishing his theories in books and his results even, but letters. He he wrote letters, a lot of letters, and that was his way of publishing. But this didn't really get him a wide reach, so it massively restricted the reach of his work. <laughs> because they got misplaced, yeah. like uh, the Darwin Yeah, the, the Darwin, yeah. the Darwin uh, <laughs> notebook. Uh, but he kept working. He manufactured high-quality high telescopes as well, which he could do. Mm, that's the only thing I actually knew about him uh, really? uh, before you started to talk. Yeah, uh, for the telescopes. But yeah. that was also because he discovered the law of refraction. Mm. And of course, he, he developed new more efficient ways to grind and polish lenses yes that i had heard yeah and you probably heard of the two of the greatest discoveries he made with the help of the proper lenses as well one of them was the realization that saturn had rings around it Mm. which was something galilei couldn't really make heads or tails of he saw them but he couldn't make out the rings because it was blurry because of his poorer much poorer optical design his telescope was not as powerful as uh, uh, Huygens' uh, telescope. But, sorry, I'm going to call him Huygens. <laughs> so, Huygens. <laughs> Huygens. He also discovered the planet's, uh, I mean, Saturn's largest moon, Titan. Mm-hmm. And you probably know that in 2005, 310 years after after his death, his namesake's uh, spacecraft... Right. which was designed and operated by the European Space Agency, by the way, descended into the atmosphere of Titan. And it had a landing probe as well. And I think it, nothing could have been more fitting to commemorate his work. And, that is and very cool. So let's, let's remember Christian Huygens, or Christian Huygens, and his amazing achievements. Yeah. And, and one last thing. Well, loosely connected to all this, <laughs> to those of you early risers, 
out there listening to this, you probably don't want to miss this. If you happen to wake up before the sun does, and you look east, you will see some of the planets of the solar system beautifully lining up. Wow. It's been going on since uh, late March, by the way, involving the aforementioned Saturn, Mars, and Venus. But in the coming days, they are also joined by Jupiter right above the horizon as it rises. Wow. If you have a pair of binoculars or a larger telescope, move your ass out and be amazed. Yeah, that must be the end of the world or something. No, right? it happens from time to time. I think it was in the okay. early 2000s that it, that it last happened that, that all of the, the planets lined up. And it will happen again this year in June or July, I think. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, the, this, this band of planets will be complete with the moon as well around the 23rd of, of April. So really cool stuff. Even Huygens would love that, I'm sure. <laughs> but we commemorate him. Uh, so on the 14th of April, 1629, he was born. Great man. Good. So, uh, yeah, speaking of great man, do you have something to poke the Pope for, Pontus? I, I think not. I, I think not. It, not this week. Uh, I've done my homework. I've read about what he's been up to, but it's not just. Mm, right. It's just not interesting enough this week. So we'll give him a rest and uh, <laughs> we'll let him f- uh, celebrate Easter. Yeah, okay. and stuff, and then we'll come back next week. Yeah, all right. Okay, Easter that is. Mm-hmm. Good. He's an old fuck anyway. He deserves a rest. All right. Never mind. So that means that we're moving on to the news, right? Yeah. Yes, this week of the recording is actually Homeopathy Awareness Week. Mm-hmm. So I think that's worth promoting or, or mentioning. The, uh, the Homeopathy Awareness Week was started by homeopaths in order to promote their sugar pills. But it's also an excellent opportunity to point out to the world how bogus it all is. And uh, we, have, uh, we, we do mention homeopathy all the time but maybe for new listeners here's a short summary of what homeopathy is so it started way back in the early 1800s with samuel hahnemann mm-hmm. who was a, he was a doctor uh, of the time now, that's not the same as being a doctor today but he was a doctor <laughs> but he also invented a whole new quote-unquote medical system out of nothing the idea is, one central idea is that like cures like. And that means that if you have a headache, you could cure it with something else that also causes a headache. Uh, so that, that's crazy to begin with. But he realized that if you do that, you risk getting a worse headache. So he came up with another solution, and that was that you dilute it a lot. Mm-hmm. And the more you dilute it and you shake the water that it's in and you do it repeatedly, the more potent it becomes, the more you dilute it. And so much so that once you are done doing what he said you should do, very often there's nothing left in the water of the actual substance. So so as an example, if you cannot sleep, you should use something that also prevents sleep, namely for Let's take coffee. That, that's not unusual. So you take coffee and you put a drop of coffee in a big bowl of water. You shake it around. You throw away most of that and you save one drop and you put it in another bowl. And then you shake that one and you repeat that maybe 10 times, 30 times, whatever. <laughs> so when you have diluted the water enough, 
you know, you just, what you basically do is you have very pure water by the time you do this and you put it on some sugar pill and then you believe that that is your medicine. And um, the more you do it, the stronger your sleeping pills in this case will be. And um, uh, yeah, it's nonsense. It doesn't work. And now we know much more about science than they did. So it should be added that homeopathy back in the day was probably much safer than what other doctors were doing at the time. So because this was before we know anything about germ theory and a lot of other very important stuff. So a lot of things that doctors did at the time were very, very dangerous. And well, I think the most common thing was that you got infected because they didn't know how to wash their hands or they didn't they knew how to wash their hands they didn't know how important it was so getting sugar pills at the time was probably the safest option and it may have contributed to the popularity of homeopathy because a lot of people who got homeopathy did better than people who went to a real dangerous doctor Nowadays, of course, we know much better and it is amazing that we still have homeopathy as a thing today and a lot of people believe in it and also that it is included and supported by some health insurance in, in some countries at least. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> We have a very good website. Uh, it's called How Does Homeopathy Work? And we'll just put that in the link and you can click on the link and you will get a much shorter but better explanation than I just gave. <laughs> yeah, I believe that's courtesy of uh, the Merseyside skeptics that that is up there. It is. Yeah. It is. Do you have it yeah. in uh, <laughs> Swedish? Yeah, I think it is in Swedish. At least it did used to be, and uh, in uh, several other com- uh, languages as well. I think. Yeah, we do have it in Hungarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so pretty cool. So let's move on. You know, um, th- since the war in Ukraine still is ongoing, unfortunately, I believe we cannot have an episode without you know something related to that. Well, our listeners have probably seen some of the internet memes that that are making rounds on Facebook and Twitter, mostly in, on, on Twitter, claiming that a Pentagon official says... And I quote, Volodymyr Zelensky is a cousin of George Soros. All right. (laughs) Juicy. The plot thickens. Exactly. Well, Mm -hmm. fortunately, uh, Snopes did a bit of a a research and found no piece of evidence whatsoever to support the claim. And this is in line with uh, the slightly less convincing, I mean, less um, strong, but, but still convincing evidence. Uh, for example, that the Pentagon spokesperson addressed the question and said there was no such statement ever made. This is in line with, with what uh, Snopes found, because they found no statement ever on the internet um, or in the archives of uh, the Pentagon, so it's easily dismissible. Uh, but Shoroshi's Open Society Foundation also dismissed the claim as entirely false. And of course, since they are the conspirators, it's rather obvious that they deny any connection, right? So what else <laughs> would, would we... Just proofs that it has something <laughs> yeah. fishy. And what if they were cousins? I mean, doesn't prove anything. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it doesn't. No. Yeah, but when it comes to Zelensky, uh-huh. it's, it's good you mentioned that. What if? Yeah. If it's true, then it could be a little bit more juicy than we think. Because it turns out that the accusation was made back in 2020 that his government was installed by Shorosh. Uh-huh. And he reacted 
saying that he was not familiar with the Hungarian-American billionaire, which is a bit weird because, well, yeah, uh, a politician is probably familiar with at least the name and at least yeah. what the guy is into. So, of course, he's, he's also in on the conspiracy. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sure about that. <laughs> Couldn't be any other way. Hmm. Except that this is exactly the way the Russian propaganda operates and has been mm. doing for years. Uh, and to support recent events, namely the madness that Putin brought up on Ukraine, the propaganda machine had to be geared up, right? Mm. So the recipe that, by the way, and I told you there would be no episode past without me mentioning Orban's name at least once. <laughs> so his government propaganda follows that pattern as well. So what's the pattern? It's accuse a politician or public figure with links or even family connections to George Soros, and you've got that person stained forever. And good old Uncle George is no less than the right-wing boogeyman by now. So yeah, exactly how you want to do things if you if you want to completely ruin someone in politics. So the only thing that supports the claim that there is a connection, is a tweet and a subsequent spreading of that very tweet all over the internet. Yeah. So, very strong evidence, isn't it? Yeah, and, and also, I must say, I don't know of anything that Soros did that is bad. Well... Except for the propaganda about blah, 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 all the conspiracy theories, but has he done a lot of bad things, really, that we know of? Well, in the financial market, it, I, I cannot assess that. No, that's right. So there are people saying that the way he gathered all that wealth he had some very sketchy schemes um, in the background. He got rich some way, and of course, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. so th that's the kind of thing that he's mostly criticized for. But why the right-wing politicians usually attack him and attack anyone who's being supported by his organization is that he promotes democracy and he promotes education into how democratic systems work and uh, democratic institutions work so obviously those people the authoritarian people who would like to dismantle everything that that holds the, the democratic system together obviously they point to him as the the arch enemy right for being pro-democracy yeah Great. yeah yeah yeah, so that's that's the way it is. Okay, good. Andras. Yes. Do you use Pinterest? I used to, but not anymore. Because I thought almost that you maybe you created it. Yeah, because of the name, right? It's yeah. almost your name, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pinterest. It's pronounced Pinterest from now on. Pinterest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very Pinteresting. Yeah. Yeah, but as a lot of people know, <laughs> Pinterest is a social media service mm -hmm. and an image sharing site. It's meant to spread ideas and it's been around for a long time. It has hundreds of millions of users and it has at least since 2017, maybe longer, they've had policies about content, uh, regulations on, on especially on health claims. You can't say whatever comes <laughs> to your mind. You can't spread misinformation, basically. The leaders of the company haven't hid behind the freedom of expression excuse like Mark Zuckerberg has done. Zuckerberg has often said that Facebook is not in the business of judging what is true. But uh, Pinterest, on the other hand, they have said that they take the general stance that dangerous or damaging falsehoods are not welcome on their platform. So good for them. 
So they've been going after fake cancer cures, anti-vax propaganda, and even anti-abortion statements, which is a little bit noteworthy because, at least in the US, this is far from a an uncontroversial subject. But they have said, okay, we, we it should be factually correct, otherwise you can't put it on our platform. So I, I'm not sure how successful these policies always have been, but to my knowledge, they haven't received a lot of criticism for failing to take this responsibility. But they're focused more on the health side of things. And the news for this week is that they will from now on take a strong stance on climate change as well. So under this new policy, the site is committed to take down content that distorts or denies the facts of uh, the climate crisis, whether posted as an advert or as normal content by any user. The company will take uh, down content that denies the existence or the effects of climate change uh, or its human causes as well. And um, they uh, will take down content that, quote, misrepresents scientific data, end quote, in order to uh, erode the trust in climate science. Mm -hmm. Uh, Further, they will not allow harmful, false or misleading content about natural disasters and extreme weather events. Makes sense. So, uh, again, good for them. Hope they can live up to this. It's uh, the right thing to do. But as we have talked about Facebook a lot, it's maybe not so easy to follow through with these uh, things yeah or maybe facebook is just has just been doing a very bad job at it. i don't know I, I i totally understand i mean i'm not not trying to defend them but i do tend to understand how big a task it is to enforce these new rules yeah because it's it's sometimes it's a very thin line but sometimes it's really straightforward and even when when that is the case, they fail to to deliver um, on many many occasions, and that is pretty much my concern. And uh, it's good that Pinterest announced this, but I will yeah I will believe all that when I see it happen. Yeah, <laughs> no, but also it must be difficult. Yeah, it, uh, from a practical point of exactly, view, with the exactly. millions of posts every day how do you track them all you can't do it manually obviously Mm. you have to have some algorithms and as we talked about last week meta or facebook has had some unfortunate results of their algorithms that actually promoted some things instead of uh, exactly suppressing them exactly exactly (laughs) (laughs) well Speaking of uh, promoting things, uh, (laughs) even on this show, we often speak out against uh, chiropractic and the promotion of chiropractic. And we often quote uh, Simon Singh, who said they happily promote their bogus treatment. Well, we cannot say definitively that uh, all of chiropractic is pseudoscience, but it has a lot of pseudoscientific elements. And um, this is why even Edzard Ernst does a lot of criticism towards that. And there is an actual institution by the name Anglo-European College of Chiropractic, or yeah, it was at least formally known as such, that had being criticized by Edzard Ernst on several occasions on his blog. However, now, a couple of years ago, they changed their names. The Anglo-European College of Chiropractic has been abbreviated to AECC, 
So basically covering the original name and added University College to it. So it, it holds much more of an esteem by the sound of it, right? So it, yeah. it, it, it sounds much better than it actually is. It's a, it's a bit of a transition of the institution. So the AECC University College turns out that they are now offering a Master of Science in, quote, musculoskeletal pediatric health. And that happens to be a distance learning course. So it's an online it's thing. It's an online thing oh, okay. that you have to pay £7,560 for. Wow. And the worrying thing about that is that this institution has been promoting pediatric chiropractic for ages. And uh, although they, they provide training into legitimate scientific fields as well, like radiography and uh, physiotherapy, the problem is that, um, I mean, from... A, a skeptical point of view is that in 2016 because of all that they were granted taught degree awarding powers which means that they can actually issue master of science degrees Ooh. and yeah so my problem with this is that they emphasize how committed they are to being a leading higher education institution in healthcare disciplines uh, not only nationally in the uk but also internationally and that they are recognized for their quality and excellence and all that shit. But still, it's in the DNA of this institution to promote chiropractic. So if you want to look again at how strong the evidence is in support of chiropractic, it is very poor. Mm. And they do mention things like that. Because when you, you, you start rolling down on their website, where they ask why should you apply? It says the postgraduate courses within the School of Chiropractic are developed to be aligned with professional practice and adopt an approach of integrated learning, teaching and assessment that is not only developing independent learning, but encouraging students to integrate theory and practice. That is just word salad. It's just <laughs> complete nonsense. But, yeah. So, uh... yeah, but, but this, this is a course in how to manipulate somebody else's body right with your hands yeah how can you do that online don't you need where's the practice there is a practical well, part of it but it's not absolutely clear to me <laughs> how they offer to provide that oh. yeah but if so even if you buy their ideas how can you i, I don't know how you can so um yeah thanks yeah. to edzardens for drawing our attention to it and please try to check this out and Make sure that people don't fall for this because it's ridiculous. And it's ridiculously expensive as well. Yeah. as It's as expensive as a proper course into any healthcare-related um, degree. So don't hmm. do that, please. Yeah. But with that, we actually ran out of, um, of news items to cover for this week. But I still think that it's not only the... Anglo-European College of Chiropractic that has been wrong lately. So, Pontus, enlighten us, please. <laughs> yeah, there are a number of registered charities in the UK. Many, of course, are very fine and do good work. Mm -hmm. Others are a little bit more shady. <laughs> and one such organization that has come into focus recently is something called Thinking Autism. 
they claimed to provide, quote, hope, emotional support, and practical information, end quote, to autistic people and their families. So all very noble and fine, mm -hmm. if you do it right. Uh, but Andras, yeah. when it comes to autism, which major pseudo-nonsense is common uh, in that regard? Uh, well, the, the first thing that comes to mind is anti-vaccination. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Okay. And we have a winner. Anti-vax. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> so <laughs> we all know how this started. The link, the alleged link between uh, vaccines and autism. It started way back in 1998 with uh, Andrew Wakefield publishing his fraudulent study about a possible link between the MMR vaccine and autism. Mm -hmm. And it took more than 10 years of searching for this non-existing link until people realized that there, there is no link. That's why we can't find it. <laughs> and a, a special role and a special thanks goes to Brian Deere and his investigation that was published in Sunday Times in 2004. And we actually had... Brian Deere on the show back in uh, episode 238. Mm -hmm. That was in yes. September of 2020. So he did a great job there to expose uh, Andrew Wakefield as the fraud that he was and still is. But back to uh, this um, thinking autism organization. Many people still believe that there is this link that Andrew Wakefield uh, suggested. And it's not just the MMR vaccine that people talk about. They, they, everything is suspect in their minds. Um, so it's not unexpected, uh, but very problematic that the thinking autism charity is on the bandwagon and talking about also COVID vaccines. Especially one person called Joanne Allman, who's one of the leaders of this organization. She has spread COVID disinformation on social media, saying that the COVID vaccine is a, quote, reckless, dangerous, insane experiment, end quote. The news about the Omicron variant, when that came, she called a, quote, moronic variant, scariant <laughs> bullshit. Ooh. I've never seen the word scariant, but I guess it's a sort of a failed pun on scare and variant. I don't know. PCR testing was a, quote, fraud underlying the greatest ho hoax in medical history, end quote. And she tweeted that people the world over were being, quote, coerced into having an experimental vaccine, end quote. Maybe you get the idea. I don't have to quote all of this. She is leading one of the four people leading this thinking autism uh, group. So that's her personally. She, she hasn't said that in the name of the organization. But on the website of the organization, there is also misinformation. Among them, they are advocating for cease therapy. And cease is an abbreviation that stands for Complete Elimination of Autistic Spectrum Expression. Something that has been demonstrated again and again is just bullshit, doesn't work. You cannot cure autism in the way um, they suggest. So the Charity Commission in the UK has now opened an investigation into thinking autism. It just took them seven years after a campaigner claims that she first raised the concerns with them and also she raised concerns with the National Lottery Community Fund uh, which has donated nearly £400,000 to Thinking Autism since 2015 that is. 
in an article in The Guardian, we can also see signs of another quote-unquote thinking organization, the Good Thinking Society. <laughs> <laughs> because they quote Michael Marshall, or Marsh, who is uh, working for that organization. And that's an organization that we really support and think is very good. And I think that they are more behind this new investigation that they are giving credit for. Because I know that Marsh is active in trying to highlight dodgy charity organizations in the UK. But regardless, it is a very shady organization. It is very doubtful that they have this charity status in the UK. And I hope something comes out of this. This week's Really Wrong Award goes to the Thinking Autism Charity for being unscientific and anti-vax. And um, we need to spread real information and facts about autism, not inventing this pseudoscientific nonsense. I couldn't agree more. Mm. And uh, as Annika would say, it's (laughs) well-deserved. Thank you, Annika. (laughs) But that brings us to the end of the show, which is usually marked by a quote Mm. presented by Annika. But unfortunately, she's not with us today. So I'll be presenting the quote. And the quote comes from none other than Christian Huygens. Huygens! Yeah, let's, let's agree on, on, on Huygens. <laughs> and the quote goes, There are many degrees of probable, some nearer truth than others, in determining of which lies the chief exercise of our judgment. Ooh. Yeah. Deep. Probable, truth, judgment. Yes. exactly (laughs) so he he worked a lot with probabilities and assessing probabilities and this is why one of the reasons why I chose him as the Twitch item because he was promoting that idea that we're not working with truth we are working with probabilities right and this is how science operates yeah and very well said by him in the 1600s quite a while ago yeah exactly and he's talking about getting nearer truth but not getting to the truth. That's religion. The, tr- the religions are claiming to get to the, the truth. The truth, yeah. <laughs> but um, in science, you don't do that. You get a little bit nearer all the time. Mm-hmm. You don't, you'll never know everything, but you'll know a little bit more every day. That's fantastic. Exactly. And this is why we keep moving and we keep doing what we do mm. to learn and to share whatever we have learned. And that's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So on that note... I'd like to thank you, Pontus, for joining me today. Thanks a lot. We hope that Annika can make it next week. And uh, yeah, I'd like to thank all our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. There are some interviews uh, coming up as well in the next couple of weeks or so, and a couple of weeks and months before the European Skeptics Congress, to which you should probably register now. Yes. But until next week, goodbye. Hey, all. You told me that aliens really exist. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. 
We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Shrub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe That was good. Huygens! How do you pronounce that? Huygens! 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 We're gonna get... That'll be fun. We're gonna get some letters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it spelled with two A's? Yes, it is. Christian. Yes, Christian. Huygens. Christian Huygens. Huygens. Uh, uh, fine. Okay, we'll have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> oh, it's the other way around. Yeah, I shuffled them. <laughs> you shuffled it? Accuse a politician Sorry, or public figure. Shut up, Siri. <laughs> Sorry, can you say that again? Yes, I can. (laughs) Uh, We often speak out against uh, the promotion of pediatrics. Uh, Not pediatrics, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, we don't. (laughs) No, we don't. (laughs) Huygens! (laughs) Huygens!